0: three center ice for all things islanders rangers and all news across the nhl on wfuv sports
1: five on three wfuv's nhl podcast back at it wednesday march 16th tyler mooney dylan balsamo back dylan the last time we spoke about hockey i believe the islanders are playing the lightning in the conference finals not the most recent time but the time before that so it's been quite a while how are you my friend
0: I am wonderful. It is very good to be here. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I sent our friend Alex my, my WFUV sports bucket list before we graduate in May. And one of the things was to do one last episode of Five on Three with you because I, I I wish I had gotten the chance to do more. So I'm very happy to be here.
1: Well, I'm glad. Tyler um, is taking time away from the beach. So thank you, Tyler, uh, for joining <laughs> it's
2: really us. A day today, so
1: I, I would be here anyway. Oh, <laughs> well, That's good to know. Um, <laughs> It's mostly a trade deadline preview episode for obvious reasons. We're about five days, six days away, five days uh, from the trade deadline on Monday. And the first decently sized trade, I would say I wouldn't call it a big trade, uh, went down between two Western Conference teams, the Anaheim Ducks sending defenseman Josh Manson to Colorado for prospect Drew Hellison and a first, a second round pick, excuse me, um, Colorado now doesn't have a second-round pick last year, this year, or next year. Not that it really matters. Uh, they got two great defensemen, Devontae and Josh Manson, out of those picks. Uh, they get rid of a decent prospect, but with Alex Newhook and all of the other fantastic forwards they have on their team, what do you really need them for? Uh, and they add Josh Manson at half salary to go on a Stanley Cup run. Uh, Tyler, I, I think this is probably it for Colorado just because of money. But, hey, you know what? Good for them. They added the guy, and I didn't think they needed a defenseman. But they got out. They went out there and probably got the best one on the market if Klingberg isn't going to get traded.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't necessarily think they needed a defenseman either. But you know, we've seen the Avalanche tied to Claude Giroux. It seems like they're still tied to him. So I still believe, if I had to guess, that would be the place he ends up. Um, but you know, looking at you know, just take look at the Lightning for example, the team that's won the Stanley Cup the last two years. It's not always. The big guy that you go get. You don't always have to go get the big fish. Think about the depth moves that they made getting Barkley Goodrow, Blake Coleman, and that ended up really vaulting them to their two straight cups. So I think this was a really good trade for both sides. The Avalanche get, they already had a pretty deep decor, especially, I mean, when you're being led by Kale McCarr, your decor is going to be one of the best in the league. But this just gets them more depth for the playoffs. Obviously, the playoffs are more physical. Manson is a big guy. And you're, you're ready for any potential injuries because this is absolutely the year the Colorado Avalanche need to win the Stanley Cup. And there's been depth issues with this team before. I know last year was more goaltending and not the defense, but I'm sure the Avalanche have seen – well, they've definitely seen the last two years what injuries can do to you in the playoffs. So I think going out there and making sure you get extra depth, not necessarily going for the top fish, I think that was a good move for the Avalanche and for the Ducks you got a pretty decent return for a guy who was probably not going to resign with you. So I think that was a great trade for both teams.
0: Yeah, Tyler, I agree with you. Um, I didn't think there was a lot of room for improvement on this avalanche team and and you don't really want to mess with things too much, especially when you're about to make a playoff run. Uh, it, it just feels like it could be too much, but you know, I do think Manson was just the right kind of move. You mentioned the physicality. I would feel that was just the one, I, I'm not going to say weakness, but a, a thing that could be improved for this, uh, specifically uh, the defense for the Avalanche. So I'm glad they were able to improve that. I like this all around. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, uh, Chris, there not being any second round picks for three straight years. A second round pick is like white chocolate. It, you, you think it's going to be a, as good as the, as the real thing, but it's awful. So um, it's not something you need to worry too much about, especially when you're trying to win right now.
1: Who the hell cares about draft picks? That is definitely true. And I I think that there's a lot of teams who should think that way um, and maybe don't. Upon looking at their cap friendly, they have a shade under $3 million in deadline cap space. Giroux is pulling an 8.275 cap hit. Obviously, you would probably cut that in half to – uh, forty one seventy five. Uh, hopefully I did my math right. And uh, so they would still have to free up about a million, just over a million dollars in cap space in order to fit Claude Giroux. Um, but you're right, Tyler, that is seeming where he's going to go. He's going to play his 1,000th game with the, I almost said the Minnesota Wild, the Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, your, your theory last week was that he'll probably get traded within 48 hours of that game. That seems to make a lot of sense to me. And yeah, I almost said the Minnesota wild because that's the team that makes the most sense to me. I think that they would benefit mightily from adding Claude Giroux, not only because they would add a center to their team, but they would also keep him away from the Colorado avalanche. Uh, I've said that kind of from the beginning, Uh, Boston obviously would be a huge benefit, but Philly and Boston don't like each other very much. So... I think he's the most interesting guy left here. Obviously, Ricard Raquel and Cam Fowler just became – or not Cam Fowler. Um, yeah, Cam Fowler just became significantly more interesting uh, with Anaheim now that they're selling. But I think Giroux uh, and where he's going to go because, I don't know, maybe Colorado is off the table.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, you, you mentioned you think the Wild being the perfect fit for them, and I, I could definitely see that. I also agree, I don't think – he'll end up in Boston just because the Flyers would probably want more from the Bruins than they would even want from a team like Colorado or Minnesota, just because of that Philly-Boston Eastern Conference rivalry. But a lot of this also depends upon where Claude Giroux wants to end up. You know, the Minnesota Wild may offer a trade package that the Philadelphia Flyers front office might prefer a little more to one that the Colorado Avalanche give out. But at the end of the day, Claude Giroux is the one deciding where he's going. If he if Chuck Fletcher goes to Claude Giroux and says, okay, I'm between Minnesota and Colorado and Claude Giroux says, I, okay, I want to go to Colorado. He's going to go to Colorado. So I, I just have a gut feeling that's where he's going to end up. It's felt like that for me for a while. And it just seems like all the pieces are falling together. The avalanche, this is absolutely their year to go for the cup Claude Giroux, a guy who, has seen a ton of regular season and individual success, but has never really seen any team success. I think the Flyers have only made the second round maybe twice. Well, they actually, they made the cup final. I think it might've been his first year, but since he's been a really big part of the team and especially the captain, they haven't found that much success. So I think if Claude Drew is going to leave Philly, which he doesn't necessarily want to do it's his home. He loves it there. I think he's going to want to go to a team that he has the best chance to win the Stanley cup in. And that team is Colorado. So if I had to bet, I would say that's where he ends up.
0: Yeah, the many of your points, Tyler, uh, one of them being you talk about, uh, you know, the, the lack of success since Claude Giroux has been there. It's not like he hasn't been on some very good Philadelphia Flyers teams. You know, they have not been strong as of late, but there have been some really good ones over the last decade and a half. Uh, they just have underperformed. So, you know, it's, it's something that's disappointing to see him, you know, record this thousandth game that we're about to see and, and, and not have that kind of um, – that kind of thing to show for it. Uh, but also to your point, yeah, I don't see Philly and Boston ever doing any kind of business with each other. I think it's less about what they have to offer and more about that's just not going to happen. Um, but yeah, no, I, I also see Minnesota as a good place for him to go. The Avalanche, you know, like we just talked about, I think I think they're kind of done. I know you kind of alluded to that, Chris. I, I think, I, I, just, I just don't see much more happening with them. Yeah, but with Giroux, you know, as you mentioned, Tyler, it's it's a lot about where he wants to go. It's also about... Philly is not going to allow him to go anywhere for small potatoes. It's going to be, it, it's going to have to be for the other team, a bit of a blockbuster. Uh, they're going to have to be willing to give up a lot. Uh, three piece, I would argue maybe even a four piece straight, Uh just for the, the value of Giroux as a, as, as, as a status in the NHL, if you will. So um, I, I see this being a lot to give up for a team and it's probably worth it for the wild. I agree with you.
1: Yeah. It looks like Tyler, the Flyers have only won one playoff series with Claude Giroux as the captain. Now it's in 2012, they lost to the Rangers capitals and penguins in their first three playoff appearances, and then beat the Montreal Canadians in the bubble and lost to the Islanders in game seven. Um, so yeah, not, as you mentioned, not a ton of success and certainly a disappointing era for Philadelphia, but the, you know, the year is over. I think that in reality it is, but the, the general manager of this team continues to add pieces and extend pieces. We talked about Rasmus um last week. I wouldn't rule it out that Claude Giroux comes back to Philadelphia because I genuinely think that Philadelphia believes that they are a cup contender next year with the right coach. Uh, Mike EO is not that guy. They've been terrible underneath him, and obviously AV was not that guy. But, you know, I, I jokingly go to you for your ear in the ground, but, i'm being semi-serious i know the fans are out but like do the flyers actually think they're going to be good next year
2: i don't know i feel like you're absolutely correct in saying the fans are out i mean what did Quiggs text us the other night he got he was sitting four or five rows behind the goal for 35 bucks which like that's that is not normal at all that's
0: not it's never going to happen anywhere else
2: yeah (laughs) definitely definitely so Maybe maybe uh, Arizona's new stadium would have probably happened there, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think everyone is pretty much expecting Claude Giroux to be traded, and I think they just—I feel like they have to trade him. And I know I mentioned this a few podcasts ago, where like, oh, every time there's a there's a fan favorite player who's an unrestricted free agent, and he gets traded. People always say, oh, we we can maybe sign him in the off season, and it never actually happens. But I think in this situation, it could happen. Claude Giroux, from what I've heard and read, hasn't been playing the best maybe the last month. And some people have speculated it's because he knows he's being, or most likely going to be traded out of Philadelphia. And I mean, he absolutely loves Philadelphia. So, but I think, I think they just have to trade him. I don't, it's very rarely that you get the by far number one trade piece that everyone wants on your team. And I think, for a squad like Philly, who has so many holes, I they they I think a trade, a clause trade could help fit it. like you said, Dylan, it could be a three, four piece trade. It could help fill so many holes and really fill out their prospect pool a lot more than it already is. So I think they, they probably just have to trade Giroux. But uh the fans are definitely, I mean, I've told you last week, Chris. My my one friend, he's like, I should be mad about this wrist signing, but I've completely tuned out. I'm just so anti-emotional about this team anymore. So, the Flyers definitely need to to switch things around because they've completely lost the fan base right now and out of the four Philadelphia sports teams, they are by far fourth, which if you know anything about the Phillies, it's pretty impressive to be below them, <laughs> but they are somehow below them right now. So, it's it's definitely a tough time to be a Flyers fan.
0: Yeah, when your franchise doesn't really feel like they, I'm going to say, care all that much, it's very difficult to pay attention. As a New York Giants fan, I will tell you that much. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of, of Philly, you know, as you mentioned, Tyler, you're right, it almost never happens that we'll, we'll hear about a, you know, a prominent player for a franchise getting traded and the, and the potential of them getting re-signed the next year. It never happens. And it's not that it shouldn't happen for the Flyers, but I think you can't make that a priority right now. That is a, that's a last-minute thing. If it's yeah. still an option come the beginning of next season, sure what the hell why not but for now you do have to be thinking about readjusting those pieces and you know chris you mentioned this fan base thinking what they need is a new head coach and that'll solve all their problems that that almost never happens i'm not really sure to be quite honest with you if that's what this team needs Uh, the, the diagnosis is still um the jury's still out on that in my opinion um so maybe we'll see drew in a flyers jersey again. And, you know, that would just come with some kind of respect for the respect for the franchise and the franchise's respect for him. Um, I think it's less about him being a, a prominent piece on the team in the next five years. Cause that's just illogical. It's, it's more just about having him on a potential roster that would find some success finally.
2: Yeah. You also uh, real quick, you mentioned, you know, the fans thinking that, you know, you need the coach. There just needs to be a new coach. This is what Flyers fans have thought for the past decade. I mean, this yeah. team has had a lot of coaches. Peter Laviolette, then Dave Haxtall came in. I think Barubi was their interim coach at one point. Mm-hmm. Then you had AV. These are coaches that have
1: Scott found Golden. success
2: in other Yeah, these are coaches that have found success in other places. Mike Yo now. And yet it has never worked in Philadelphia for any of them. So I think finally now you're starting to see the realization among Flyers fans and people that follow the team that, you know, Maybe it wasn't always the coach. Maybe it was just the system and the players. And that would lend credence to a Claude Drew trade, you know, shaking this up, trying to get new blood into the system. Cause I don't think, after if you watch the Flyers last few years, I don't think you can look at this team and say, oh, they just need a new coach because that's been the excuse for a decade and it's gotten them absolutely nowhere.
1: Yeah, definitely agree. And it felt like their real, their real chance to get on a run was in the bubble and the Islanders picked them off and it's been a complete spiral downhill in the two years since then. Um, And, you know, they had a chance to win that game seven and um, they haven't gotten back to the playoffs since and certainly will not this year. Uh, We'll kind of close the circle here. Minnesota and Colorado made a trade. Nico Sturm goes to Colorado. Tyson Jost goes to Minnesota. This was a cap clearing move for Colorado to fit Josh Manson. Uh, They save a $1.25 million. As I mentioned before, they have to do it again in order to fit Claude Giroux, but these are two players with comparable stats in their career, similar age uh, and just different cap hits. And that's why there's any kind of trade happening here Minnesota getting Tyson Joe's I think could be, you know, a solid ad. We'll see how it goes. Um, but overall I don't think that this should be the only move Minnesota makes at the deadline I think they'd be sorely mistaken if that was their their strategy and other than that Tyler I don't really have much to add
2: yeah I think jost probably has a little bit more upside than Sturm, which is why you know it was just one for one and the wild are taking on a little bit more money but yeah this is like a this is a cap clearing con, or trade for Colorado and it feels like jost has been a name that was going to be traded out of Colorado forever. I think I remember when the Rangers were selling off all their players, I guess this was maybe five years ago at this point. That's four years and, ago. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tyson Jost was linked to a potential, you know, McDonough or Nash trade. So I feel like he's always maybe been the odd man out in Colorado and hasn't progressed to the level that maybe was expected of him. And yeah, he becomes a cab casualty and they will have to do it again if, if they want to add anyone else.
0: Yeah perhaps uh more upside for one than the other tyler but overall a net neutral move a very lateral move i think for for both sides here um and, and you know in terms of like the the upside of of just one player who you could potentially get rid of just to make a <laughs> salary space for another colorado can't be thinking about these things right now this needs to be, you know, whatever adjustments you need to make in order to get the team that you want on the ice in the Stanley Cup final. That's what you need to be doing right now. You can't really have any other kind of objectives here. Um, I'm always very frustrated with teams that are, you know, on the cusp of winning right now or could win right now are, are, are thinking too much in the long term. It's like This is what you're playing for. What, what are you doing? Um, and, and I'm glad Colorado seems like they're not really thinking that much about that.
1: They definitely are because it, it could be over after this year. McKinnon's a UFA, not that he's going to leave, but you could see a situation where McKinnon gets resigned to a monster number and they have to, they have to part with some important pieces like Nazim Kadri potentially um, to fit him in. Cause McKinnon was one of the most team friendly contracts in the NHL at just under $7 million. I believe it is um, through the end of this season. Um. Team friendly contract is not the way to transition to this guy, Austin Matthews. Although he's a heck of a hockey player, um, we talked about his Hart Trophy candidacy last week, and he promptly went out and got suspended. Now, to me, this this was pretty rough. Look, um, he basically tried to decapitate Rasmus Dallin, um in the outdoor game, and uh, he got suspended two games, which to me shouldn't impact his Hart Trophy candidacy at all. But we all know the 200 hockey men will make it count against his, he definitely won't win the lady Bing again. That's for damn sure. Um, but they'll make it count against his hard trophy candidacy for some reason. And they won in a shutout over Dallas last night and broke their like free fall uh, without Austin Matthews. So this team is impossible to figure out continually. And um, I, I kind of give up on trying to figure them out until the first round. And we know they're going to lose. So <laughs> um, Tyler, I don't know if you have any more thoughts. But Jack Campbell is hurt now, and they pull this guy off the street with some impossible-pronounced Swedish name, and he shuts out the Stars.
2: Yeah, this team is so hard to get a read on. I mean, they're flying through the first half of the season. And now if you look, in the last 10 days, they've lost to the Sabres twice, 5-1 and then 5-2, and they lost to the Coyotes in there at home. It just gets worse. So I, I don't really know what to expect from Toronto. I feel like they have to be in the market for a goaltender We've seen, I've seen the latest days of our being linked to Toronto guy like uh Korpisal, I believe I mentioned him last week, maybe even the Mark Andre Fleury deal, but as for the Matthews cross check, yeah, I thought the two games was pretty fair. I mean, just straight cross check to the side of the head. Pretty, pretty plain. It, you know, you can't do that. So I didn't think there was any debate about whether he was going to be suspended. It was his first offense, first hearing anything like that. So I get maybe, You know, if Tom Wilson was doing something like this, we probably would see more than two games. But uh, And, yeah, I don't think – it shouldn't hurt his Hart Trophy candidacy. And who knows it will. The NHL makes no sense. So, But I don't – it shouldn't.
0: Yeah, I I imagine it will hurt his Hart Trophy candidacy. And, again, I don't think it should either. But, you know, it's it's the Brendan Shanahan sting. It will always hurt a player when you are too aggressive, um, I like to think. But uh, it does seem like um, Matthew's teammates do back him here. So um, there's at least some sort of, uh, you know, uh, consistency within this Maple Leafs franchise, but they are just, as you guys both mentioned, so difficult to figure out. I can't get a read on it either. You know, you mentioned they're they're probably going to lose in that first round, Chris, and that's the result of what has been a really odd and at many times lopsided Eastern Conference this year that is um, top heavy, but also bottom heavy in a lot of ways. Uh, You know, the Western Conference has a lot of really great competitors, but the, the East is just it's just overall i would say interesting um but yeah i i am having trouble getting a read on this maple leafs team and i and i I just don't know what's next they could they could make a run for the rest of this season and surprise all of us maybe i don't know i really can't predict that right now
1: yeah definitely true uh it's been a very weird season and it's kind of, you know, Florida is starting to pull away with that first spot, which is huge, because now Serrano's gonna to have to play Tampa Bay. And we, you know, we talked about Jack Campbell a little bit last week, where now he's hurt, but he's been terrible since January. And Andre Vasilevsky, even though he's not gonna win the Vesna this year, is having an Andre Vasilevsky season. I believe he leads the league and wins, and nobody's talking about him for the Vesna because he's just that good. Um so yeah, I think that that will be a significant advantage for Tampa Bay in that series, and also having that playoff experience. So I don't know; it, it's going to be very, very interesting uh, if those two teams meet up because it's going to kind of be the the yin and yang of the past four or five years of playoff hockey um, in the first round between Tampa and Toronto. Certainly, what I'm rooting for. Is I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, so let's let's talk about the local. Let's let's bring it back. Uh, the Rangers won in overtime. The Islanders lost in the shootout. Not not important uh, in the long term. Right now, it's more about the trading deadline, and we'll start with the sellers and the New Jersey Devils. I you know we talked about it a little bit last week. I I do think that if they can, they should try and trade or at least get rid of um, PK Subban and that. That's obvious. That's kind of an obvious answer, but the one that's more interesting to me is Pavel Zaka because they have a couple of RFA's. They have Jesper Pokus, who's been very good this year. Um, they have uh, Jesper Bratt who's been their best player this year, and then they have Pavel Zaka, I, who's 24 years old with two and a quarter million dollars left for the rest of the season. I think they could get a haul for him. Um, I don't know if a first-round pick, but I think multiple draft picks. This to me is a guy that they should be looking to trade. Yes, it's not ideal to trade 24 year olds uh, in a rebuild, but they have depth down the middle now with the emergence of Dawson Mercer and Tyler. I, I think that it might be controversial, but I think that a good move for this rebuild would be to get a bunch of capital back for a guy who hasn't had the best season, but overall is a pretty good player.
2: Yeah, definitely. Going into this year, those three RFAs were were definitely the people that looking ahead to the trade deadline, you figured one or two of them were going to be gone. And then absolutely with the emergence of Brad, I mean, he's the devil's best player right now. You can't trade a guy like that, especially for a team like New Jersey, who doesn't think that they're you know, in the depths of a rebuild. They think that, I mean, they thought that by now they would be much better than they are. So a guy like Brad is a guy you're not going to want to trade. And as for Zaka, I agree. I think, you know, former Top, was he maybe seven, eighth overall pick? So obviously, has the high pedigree. We always see guys who get drafted very high and don't necessarily pan out, but they always seem to get a second chance because teams think they can unlock that potential. And it, he does strike me as a guy who maybe just needs a change of scenery and he'll suddenly maybe not reach the eighth overall or seventh overall ceiling that he was supposed to, but can definitely develop into a solid player. And I do think a very manageable cap hit. So I could see you know, maybe two seconds or a second and a, and a decent prospect, I think that would go pretty far in, in helping the Devils. And I think that would be a good return for a guy who has been, I mean, he's been solid, like you said, Chris, but I think overall has certainly been a disappointment compared to the expectations that came with him when he got to New Jersey.
0: Definitely Tyler. And, you know, Brad is definitely a no question to, to stick around, you know, you need to, you need to at least, you <laughs> convey as a franchise that like we're going to we're going to keep some pieces here there, there's something we some of this was a success as much of this has not been we need to keep one piece here to show to have something to show for it um, but this is a devil's franchise as you kind of alluded to there tyler that it, they've been rebuilding for like three four years now so it, it's just difficult to get a read on them in a in a similar way to the maple leafs but it also in a not very similar way you look at a player like pk suban who's been on this team for this is maybe his third devil season for our second full season or, or something of that what? nature. I don't know. It's
1: been – it's time is a flat circle, so I don't even know. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> it's it, – the point being, it's been a little bit. He just does not seem like he, – he just he, – to me, he just did not really ever seem like a good fit for this team. And and now you, you're starting to see that, like, he's just a piece that, like, is just an odd fit there. Um, and, and I would agree it's 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 time for a, a change in that place as well. But in terms of, of Zaka, it's it's really a question of for him being in the right kind of franchise for him. I just don't think this Devils franchise has really given him what he would potentially need because, you know, he's a really talented player. There are some weaknesses in his game, as there are for every player, and the Devils have not really catered to that. So if you're not going to cater to your seventh, eighth-round draft pick, get rid of him, even if he's 24 years old. It's, it's a disappointing thing, and I, and I would hate for – for, for Zaka to think that as a 24-year-old that he has failed in some kind of way in a certain place. But um, th- I think this has more to do with the franchise than it does with him.
1: Uh, Zaka was sixth overall in 2015, and this is, is Subban's third season with the Devils. You look at um, Zaka, sixth, obviously 2015 is going to go down as one of the great drafts of the modern era. Uh, they passed up on a couple good guys, uh, including Mikko Ranton, which would look pretty good next to Jack Hughes right now, but, oh, well, <laughs> um, you can only play that game so much, obviously. And, and Zach is a good player and I think he'll be very good for it, whether it's the Devils or a different team um, for the rest of the season. As for the Islanders, uh, I have been banging this drum for weeks now that Varlamov, Varlamov, excuse me, um, See, I already forgot how to pronounce his name because I think he should be not an islander anymore. Um, along with uh Clutterbuck, Char and Green, because apparently people want them. Um, and we've kind of we've kind of had that conversation before. The guy who's interesting to me is Scott Mayfield. Toronto Media wants Scott Mayfield on the Maple Leafs. Uh, he's getting paid $1.45 million dollars for this season and next. He is a pretty solid, big physical defenseman has some offensive upside. And to me, I think he's a guy the Islanders should be looking to keep because he's at less than a million and a half for next season when they're, and then they're going to have to resign him, Barzell and Wallstrom all in the same off season, which would obviously be difficult. Um, but I think that this is a guy the Islanders should keep because next year they should have the expectations of getting back to the conference finals and winning it. Um, that being said, if Toronto knocks on the door with a first-round pick, I'd take it in a heartbeat because Scott Mayfield isn't that valuable to the team. Given their defensive struggles, given their struggles to fill out a defensive unit without Letty and Tays anymore, um, what What are your thoughts, Tyler, on, on this Scott Mayfield situation? Yeah, I mean, if the Islanders are potentially shopping
2: Scott Mayfield, or not necessarily shopping, but you know, open to trading him, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a team in the league that shouldn't kick the tires on this. I mean, what Scott Mayfield is able to bring to the table for his cap hit, it, it, it's great. He's a very solid overall player. He can fill in, you know, that middle pairing defense and be really good for a playoff team as we've seen he's been for the Islanders in their two straight conference finals runs. I agree. I don't think they should trade him at all. I think he's maybe not a, you know, a key piece to that defense, but he really helps solidify it and make it whole. And uh if they were to trade him, yeah, I would, I would expect if you're going to trade him you got to get at least a first round back just because you're he also has another year of control next year at a very very reasonable cap hit especially in a flat cap so if the islanders do want to make you know a big kind of splashy move shake things up i know we've talked about that in episodes past how if the islanders you know want to switch this up they don't have a lot of movable contracts a lot of their especially if you want to focus the forward group a lot of these guys are signed for you know three four more years and they're not necessarily the best contracts although a bunch of these guys namely Murray have started playing better of late you still have to be worried about the way that they performed for most of the season leading up until now when it's frankly too late so i think scott mayfield is definitely a tradable contract in that sense and if lou lou lamarillo tongue twister wants to go that far and really shake things up, he would be a prime guy to trade. But at the end of the day, I don't think the Islanders should trade him. He, I think he's too valuable for them. And I think they do want to be – They this is a fluke year in the Islanders' front office minds. Next year they should absolutely expect to be back in the playoffs and back competing for a Stanley Cup. And Scott Mayfield is a guy they're going to need if they want to do that. And if they don't have him, they're going to have to replace him, which is difficult to do, especially for such a reasonable contract.
0: Yeah, Mooney. You talk so, with so many of these Islander players that could potentially be traded of, of the having a lack of, of of contract space to do it, but there's quite a few of them where I just I wouldn't even bother doing that anyway. You talk about this being a fluke year, and then for the most part, I I, I agree with that. Um, you know, maybe Scott Mayfield is a, is a piece uh, you, you can trade if if you like the return for him, but that's a case by case situation for um, Interesting to see how uh, adamant you are about that Chris it's it's perhaps a Gary Sanchez situation for you
1: no it's not it's not marlon oh. almost fantastic for this team it's not a Gary Sanchez situation at all okay it's it's he's not the goalie of the future he's getting paid five million dollars that they could use to bolster the offense and they have a 23 year old in Bridgeport who looks pretty good right now and Jacob Skarik and Edmonton is going to overpay for a goalie so for me it's not a Gary Sanchez situation um, for those who don't know, I despise Gary Sanchez um, and love that he's not on the Yankees anymore. Um, no, it's not. It, it's it's just I think this is the time.
0: OK, no, that's that's completely fair and good to hear you You give a little more about that. But my my main point being I was I was ramping into uh, there are uh, there are all these handful of pieces that we keep hearing potential rumors for with the Islanders, whether it be Clutterbucker or, or Bailey or Palmieri. Um, maybe Zidane Ochar is a guy that, uh, you can move just because of his age and you want to be thinking towards the future. But for me, I, I don't see a lot of them being good pieces to move. I just think like, this is an Islanders team that's still, you know, built to maybe not, maybe not continue to compete at their current status, but they're able, I think they're able to adjust very well. So for, for me, it's just, you know, taking this year, specifically this trade deadline and perhaps this off as well as a, as a time to adjust things. But I don't think that means, you know, completely revamping this whole team and this entire core. I don't think you really need to do that.
1: Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not about the core. Brock Nelson isn't going anywhere. You know, Matt Barzell, obviously, Andrews Lee, those guys aren't going anywhere. It's, it's those secondary and tertiary pieces that are on expiring contracts that you might as well just get something back for um, is really the Islanders motive here. Uh coming into Monday. Uh, and for the Rangers, I've been beating the drum. Now I think Ricard Raquel is a huge, huge potential piece. I would add him to the Timo Meyer. I don't think he's the player that Meyer is, but I think you can get him probably for a better price. And he's having a better season than Meyer. Meyer hasn't scored in like a month. Um, so I think you can add Ricard Raquel onto that list of forwards they need to add to this team uh in order to up their five-on-five scoring. I mean, you saw it against Ricard Raquel and the Ducks last night. Yeah, three goals. Okay, like they end up winning like your give game, which as we talked about last week is going to be huge coming down yep. the stretch here. But I I think that this Anaheim news should be very, very good news to Chris Drury because you're adding a potential, potential guy to your to your trade list there, Tyler.
2: Yeah, Ricard Raquel would definitely be a good addition, especially considering, you know, I think Kako is still. Uh, Jar Galant said he Caco and Rooney were still at least a week away from even starting to skate, so I don't think you can count on the return of Cabo Caco for at least another three weeks at this point. And that top six, uh, really, the whole right wing though needs to be filled out. I mean, I love Dryden Hunt; I think he's absolutely been more than he's definitely been more than you could have expected from him. But we got to get Panarin some better line mates because Dryden Hunt, I mean, he brings great effort. I I mean, he really, he's a great bottom six guy that you could fill in, you know, your third, fourth line and he'll do everything you ask him, but he's just not, he doesn't have the skill to play with a guy like Artemi Panarin. And I think Panarin, I would go as far as saying this has probably been his worst year as a Ranger, which, I mean, he's been fantastic this year. So don't go, don't take my words too far there, but I think his five on five play has not been what it has been the last two years and part of that can be with you know he's not playing with the most skilled line mates we obviously know ryan Strom. i have a love-hate relationship with ryan strome he, he's some days i love him some days he's missing wide open nets in shootouts so but uh i think a ricard raquel move would be great uh, a leckin and trade in montreal i think that would be interesting but uh there are definitely a lot of places the rangers can go for this deadline which makes it so exciting because there are so many names are tied to they have so much cap space and they do have there are a ton of moves that they can make that would make sense for them there's not just like one hole that they need to fill so it'll be interesting to see what they do
0: yeah, as you talk about Tyler, the Rangers have a lot of great pieces. Uh, I just think their issue, um, as it has been for a couple of years now, I think is is uh, is a certain level of consistency, specifically with with scoring goals in, in particular, but but also getting shots on net too. Uh, but I think Dryden Hunt is a, is a good example of a, a handful of current Rangers players who you know are, are 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 currently getting a lot of playing time and are, for lack of a better way of saying it, very likable, but just just are. Are, 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 are not part of the long-term, in my opinion, for the New York Rangers. Uh, Brzezinski, to me, is, is another example. But um, it, you take a look at this, this Rangers team, and, and there's a lot of moves you can make. You know, obviously, Ricard Raquel is kind of like the main uh, deal right now. But there's a lot of moves you can make, specifically the forward position. I think Phil Kessel is a player you can also get as well. Um, th- there's, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, and, you know, obviously, the, the Rangers have struggled with, with injury for the last, uh, I want to say, 1,000 years. But what, what it really comes down to is, is making sure you do have a, a rounded out level of talent. And that's what they have been lacking. They obviously have a lot of talent, but it's, it's, it's geared towards certain places. And unless it's a consistent level, you're not going to be able to compete, especially when the playoffs come around. So for me, that's the big issue with the Rangers. But there's so much space to improve that right now. And, you know, as you mentioned, all the moves that, um, that Anaheim has been making um, is, is very, um, it, it makes you very hopeful as a Ranger fan. I don't know. Uh, uh, perhaps so. If, if I was a Ranger fan, I'd be very hopeful. Um, I am by the way, but <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> am I supposed to reveal that? No. Yeah, um, I, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, well, no, we'll, we'll be discreet about this, but uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hope for this Rangers team. And I, I think it's in a, I think it's in a fair and, and, and well-based place. Um, you just hope the Rangers continue to build on what they have because it's not
1: done yet. You mentioned, Tyler, that this is Panarin's probably worst season as a Ranger, and that's – it's so ridiculous to say because it's true, but he's second in the league in assists with 55 and is fresh off of a 5.9 against Dallas and a hat-trick assist. Hat-trick of assists last night against Anaheim. But you're right. It is his worst season as a Ranger, and he has 55 assists. And it could have been an Islander. Bob McKenzie said he was an Islander. Said it in a tweet. That what team, what, team, what team do you root for, Chris. Don't know. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I see. Yeah, um, yeah, not over that one. Don't think <laughs> Bob McKenzie lying to me. <laughs> <anyway>. uh well, <laughs> just one last thing. Just the team you're watching at the deadline for me. It's Anaheim. They got two pieces left. They got a trade, um, and it'll be super interesting to see who they get. I think they can easily get a first round pick back uh for one of these guys so for me it's anaheim i'm very interested to see what they do i think they were a team to watch for a long time because it was are they going to buy or sell um, and now they sell and they'll be certainly a team to watch come july but uh now i think it's it's definitely anaheim um with a a second place in minnesota because i think they should definitely add some pieces so tyler who's your team to watch uh for monday yeah i'm going on the
2: flip side of that buy or sell coin i'm going with nashville also a team who mm-hmm throughout most of the season, is, are they going to buy? They're, they're maybe outperforming what we thought, but they do have Philip Forsberg contract negotiations haven't necessarily worked out there yet. They've gone a little bit of a run lately. I think they're only a point or two out of second place in the Central. So you got to think, I think they're seven or eight clear of the final playoff spot now. So you would think that there was no way they would sell. They'd be buyers and it'll be interesting to see what they do because I don't think that team is necessarily as good as their standing suggests kind of similar to the Rangers although the Rangers have a much more well-rounded prospect pool and team overall I would say but Nashville's been led by UC Saros who's been incredible he might get a Vesna nomination this year so I think Nashville's going to be an interesting team to see
0: Nashville definitely be interesting you know Rangers and Islanders as we've talked about here they're definitely going to be interesting um um minnesota is a a team also for me that i'm i'm looking forward to seeing but you know i guess i'll be the the different and kooky and crazy one here what i'm really interested to see is you know certainly not a team that's buying in any sense but um the the seattle kraken is a team i've been i've been watching all year for a handful of reasons as everyone has been one it's just fun to watch a team with that cool of a uniform but also like it's just very interesting because i i think a lot of people like uh including myself we're watching this Kraken team and wanting to see how they navigate uh, this, this first season and perhaps try and follow the blueprint of what the Vegas Golden Knights did a couple of years ago. Um, you know, obviously if Vegas had a much more successful inaugural season than Seattle has. So now that blueprint is gone. So I'm very curious for them as a franchise what they plan on doing. I really don't know what their plan might be uh, in what would be in year two of their existence. Uh, so I will continue to watch that. And be interested in whatever they choose to do.
1: Seattle's definitely an interesting one. 11, 11 pending free agents, as we talked about last week, which is a crazy number. So they could definitely be heavy sellers come the trade deadline. All right, thank, thank you. you Dylan. A totally
0: different team next year. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thank you, Dylan, for joining us as always. Uh, we're, oh, we're honored to be on your bucket list. Um, we'll be back. truly,
0: truly. This is this is a podcast I actually listen to often. So oh, I, well, I an, an honor to be here.
1: Very <laughs> glad to hear that. Um, we will be back next week with a trade deadline review, of course. Trade deadline 6 p.m. on Monday, March 21st. So happy St. Patrick's Day, gentlemen. Uh, and a joyous <laughs> Islander Ranger Day tomorrow, even though nobody really cares anymore because the islanders are out of it. Um, <laughs> and have a nice weekend. We'll talk to you next week for Tyler Mooney and Dylan Balsama. I'm Chris Have a See you next